people have said like your best position is your next position. Mm. You know, posture is a dynamic thing. It's an event. You know, so if you're just sitting, okay, cool, like read the align method, I'm in perfect posture. You're failing. That's yeah. not it. Like that that's not it. Yeah. Perfect posture is is incorporating just more organic, dynamic expression mm -hmm. into your momentary experience. Mm -hmm. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. I've got a fascinating guest this week, Mr. Aaron Alexander. He is a manual therapist, a movement coach, the author of the Align Method book, and hosts his own podcast called the Align Podcast. Aaron is a very fun, very energetic, and very knowledgeable man. He's interviewed some of the brightest minds in the health and wellness space. And he also has a wealth of personal experience and really cool insights about the mind and the body and some unconventional tools for uncovering and unlocking our human potential. Of course, we have our live callers on the show. This week, we talk about the costs of chronic, very low carbohydrate diets and how that can affect hormones in particular around and after the menopause. And we also talk about strategies for working with people who are in recovery from addiction and helping them implement healthy animal-based diets into that routine. Buckle up for this one, friends. We go all over the map. It's a fun, wacky, wonderful, but ultimately abundant and hopeful conversation with Aaron Alexander. Let's enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am joined by Aaron Alexander today. I have been a fan of Aaron's work for a long time, actually. It was very cool to sit down and chat with Aaron. He's a movement specialist, an author, and the founder of The Align Method, an Align podcast. Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend? I'm well. That was a, that was a, a, a good introduction, I would say. Oh, I could have gone way more. I could have the, talked the, about how beautiful and bronzed you I are appreciate and that I mobile right and now. these open hips. But the worst <laughs> is when someone does, they like find your bio off of some website, you know, your own website, whatever, the back of the book or something. Incredibly uncomfortable. So yes. I appreciate you, you just got having it, an organic introduction. Right. Very, very cool, kind. cool. Now I'm curious what the align method represents like holistically because i've got a sneaking suspicion it means more than just alignment in body it's a big part of it but what is align as a philosophy i guess it's ever changing you know when i wrote the book the align method originally i just wanted to call it align mm -hmm. and the publishers demanded that it was it was a method Those you know publishers. so we can start which is fine i think they were right in a lot of ways uh, you know, and, and so it, it started off very much more physically based mm -hmm, and it still mm -hmm. is largely yeah. physically based. It's just, there's been a bit of an evolution of how the, your internal landscape informs your external physical mm -hmm. postural patterns, mm -hmm. expressions. Uh, you know, so providing people with an invitation to start to create more spacious, spaciousness in their joints through uh, alignment, like understanding, yeah. like what does it mean to stack my knee on top of my ankle, my hip on top of my, my foot, my, you know, have centration and balance through my spine, you know, have balance in my shoulder mm -hmm. girdle, stack my head all the way through that whole system and feel that sensation of what would probably be a confident athletic, uh, body that's capable of expressing joy and the whole gamut of emotions. Yes. You know, the body can get kind of stuck in certain postural patterns. The, the obvious one would be forward head posture. Yeah. You know, or maybe like you call it like lower car, lower cross syndrome, where you're kind of have that like ghetto booty yeah, type yeah. situation, or upper cross syndrome, which is forward yeah. head posture. 
the knees might start to kind of dump in medially into that valgus position. The, you know, the feet start to look kind of like collapsed, you know, or, you know, it's, which collapse is kind of a funny, funny term for it. But the body starts to overall globally start to express this position of collapse. Yeah. And something that's interesting that I think there's a connection, but you know, it's, it's, it would be a bit contentious, but the, you know, the meaning of depression, like the literal translation of depression is for things to collapse. They're mm. depressed. They come down. Depression is the number one leading reason for uh, disability mm. worldwide. Mm. I'm just too darn sad to go outside today. Yeah. You know, and there's so many different conversations around that. It's like, okay, well, maybe you need to start taking some type of anti-anxiety medication or antidepressant, or maybe it's a nutritional thing, or mm -hmm. maybe it's mm -hmm. a, a breath work thing, or maybe it's a trauma thing. And I don't personally hear a lot of conversations around the, the, the term for postural feedback, yes. but the way that our, our physical movement informs the way that we think, feel, uh, you know, and produce ourselves at a hormonal level and a neurochemical level. Mm. You know, so that's like the broader, like, whoa, mm -hmm, okay, I'll mm -hmm. probably spend the rest of my life thinking about that. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not, that's not me just thinking about that. I mean, like, like Sir William James, the father of modern psychology yeah. you know, in the 1800s, like this is that's his work yeah slash probably plato and hippocrates yeah. and like it's this isn't like oh my god the mind and the body are connected right, right um but i think a person could easily spend their the entire of their life investigating that it's just like an endlessly interesting conversation yes and then coming back to grounded here you know brass tacks it's like okay your back hurts your knee hurts you don't have functional range of motion of your ankle uh you can't turn your head all the way to the mm -hmm, left or right mm -hmm. or you know, whatever the thing, you can't get your arms up over your head without dumping your spine forward into hyperlordosis. Okay, let's sort that out. Yes. You know, and here's how we'll do it. And that's what we break down in the line method. That's super cool. I really love that answer. I think something I've come to think about, and, and I think I think you'd agree with this, but I'd love to get your feedback on on kind of, I guess, what comes first or whether it's always uh, just a, a continuous feedback loop between the body and the mind and the emotions. Like you were saying with depression, if you typically see someone, they will have that kind of slumpy posture. Whereas mm -hmm. how do you feel when you're confident and abundant and you're around good people, you slowly start to rise up a little bit, right? And yeah. I've had this idea that maybe the best place to model changes in the psyche that we want to make is in the physical first. It's, it's actually actually literally changing the body and getting some kind of momentum forward center of mass going forward like building some sense of accomplishment through some messy action and just going taking a walk and getting some sunshine mm. now that obviously affects the mind but is is it is it possible to disconnect those two are they constantly just in a continuous feedback loop does the mind come before the body the body comes before the mind i know that's probably a difficult question to answer but what's your take on that no the answer is no it's no not a difficult question at all yeah, I asked I me. Mean, I asked Gabor Mate, who he, I would reference him as being like more expert in in all of this than yeah. probably anybody. Uh, and his very strong answer is like, no, hmm. it's the exact same thing. Cool, you know. And so all you need to do this goes back to William James as well, slash lots of other people, Gabor, and you know, any, you know anybody that thinks really thinking about this. All you need to do is have someone walk through the door that's like an intruder that scares you. Hmm. Like, where did you get scared? You're going to notice your traps are going to engage, your fists are going to clench, you know, your jaw is going to clench, mm -hmm. your whole, you know, your breath, suddenly you're going to shunt blood out of your viscera, it's going to go into the periphery, it's going to put you ready to fight, you know, yeah. or flight or, yeah. you know, whatever. It's, it's putting you into action. Yeah. You know, so now suddenly, oh, okay, we thought that that was an intruder, it's actually your grandpa. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Oh, what did you just do? Yeah. 
like you let out Soften. this this exhale is even an audible exha exhale which is just going to be beautifully down regulating for the nervous mm -hmm. system uh blood starts to oh, pour back into the viscera you know your pupils go into mm -hmm. dilating as opposed to like like that myopic focus the ciliary muscles relax mm -hmm. in the muscle in, in in the eye uh, your whole physiology, it's a one-to-one -one relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if you, it's unbelievable that we don't get this type of education growing up. Right. You know, you learn, when you turn 15, you get your driver's permit or whatever, you know, whatever state, wherever country you're at, and you get a, a guidebook and you learn about the turning signal and you yeah. work, okay, 10 and two, you know, and you, okay, here's basics of like the engine and you keep mm -hmm. the tires pumped up and all of that stuff. Like we don't really get a, a great, learner's permit around no. our physical physiology no we understand here's how you do math equations here's how you we, and a lot of i mean this gets maybe a little bit like it's not really tinfoil hat at all but i think that sometimes we can start to um, be too hard on the on the, the school system but I, I think in a lot of ways like we're almost imprisoning children in their own bodies yeah you know, it's when you are in that zero to five range mm. you're exploring and you're climbing and you're crawling and you're going through these human developmental patterns it's like amazing you're mm. so curious and you're putting things in your mouth and you're just learning mm -hmm. you're just absorbing the environment and then enter into our model of grade school and you are kind of almost forced to sit in this right. hunched over collapsed position right in artificial lights yeah. you know and taking you outside of getting sun and yeah grounding and all the things that like anybody who's listening to this like knows is really good for you yeah and we just kind of remove that right and if that child starts to feel uncomfortable maybe they start to feel anxious i would feel anxious yeah, i did no feel doubt anxious. then it's instead of looking at it, it's like perhaps this is like a disease of mismatch here mm. where that child is actually totally healthy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're in an unhealthy environment and their body's responding and saying like oh god I got to get out of here. Try and get out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so the the approach with that is like, oh, I think there's something wrong with my child. Yes. Yeah. You know, compared to, I think there's something wrong with this environment. Mm. Yeah. So I don't remember what the question is, but I think that's important. No, that was really good, man. And, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking I have a three-year-old at home and he's exactly that, what you're saying, you know, stuff in the mouth, on the floor, rolling around, falling off things, learning to, you know, danger play, all of that stuff. And there's so much curiosity there. And I feel like you're you're dead right. You know, we five years old or whatever that binary moment is it's going to these classrooms it's straight lines it's sit in rows it's don't speak unless you're spoken to it's trust the expert at the at the front of the room and you know kind of you know disquiet your own internal thinking and mm -hmm. kind of hand over that in a sense and i think you're right it's an evolutionary mismatch and you said you know this this interactive nature with the world around us is how we learn but a lot of human adults have kind of lost that a little bit and know you've been a big proponent of getting on the ground and the power of being barefoot and connecting with the elements and grounding mm. what is why is that so important when we when we have these very kind of sterilized lifestyles and we're in big padded shoes and we sit in chairs all day like why is it so important for us to almost kind of you know to use a term that's quite trendy right now like this inner child work but it's almost in the realm of the physical too like to be a little bit more playful again and all of that stuff what is it yeah. really affording us well there's i mean so much i think everything it could be one response <laughs> um uh, there's a book called muscles and meridians by a guy called philip beach mm. uh, that i think you'd probably quite appreciate and in there he refers to ground positions or postures as, as postures of repose mm -hmm. 
and it describes them as being tuning mechanisms for your physiology and for your you know your your bones and your mm -hmm. connective tissue and those are positions of if you go to if you hang out with any child or any healthy culture with a low incidence of osteoarthritis of the hips and the knees or pelvic pelvic floor dysfunction mm -hmm. or you know the number one leading reason for elderly needing assisted living is they they can't get up yeah, off of the ground right. and they fall right yeah that's insane it is <laughs> it's yeah. like actually insane yeah there's so much in our culture that's like like literally like to the definition like oh this is actually insane mm. to be in a place where it's like we've divorced ourselves of this natural in this case like these these tuning positions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where you squat or you kneel or you you know seiza position or whatever you know your 90 90 position mm -hmm, or straddle mm -hmm. position or you lay on your side you lay on your back and you lay on your belly <clears throat> if you hang out with a person from asia you yes. know or lots of places throughout africa uh you know there's there's a there's a, a study done in northern tanzania with the hatsa people done from uh, university of southern california and they monitored the amount of time that hatsa people were were um, the way that they were moving throughout the day mm -hmm. and what they found was that they were in resting positions about the same amount of time as industrialized populations mm -hmm. that number was 9.82 hours mm -hmm. that was the you know wow. the average they got so whatever nine and a half hours mm -hmm. and they're like the human rests so what the, like the human is is all about conservation of energy yeah right and so when you're not doing work and stuff walking reaching up overhead whatever like you're gonna you're gonna assume resting positions yeah the big chasm or disconnect of western culture and why we are so damn sick is that 10 hours a day that could be therapeutic mm. and could be these postures of repose and 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 attuning for the nervous system, for our circulatory system, for all of our systems, it's kind of like a throwaway for us. Yes. 10 hours a day, that's your whole life. Yeah. So if we can start to slowly reintegrate some of these uh, tuning postures or healing postures that we've been doing forever. Yeah. You know, like the beginning of the chair was a few thousand years ago. Yeah, right. You know, it's an indication of royalty. Yeah. In Egyptian times. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like, it's the, the king is the one that gets sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're the person that's working out in the fields and you're getting sun and you're doing all the things and you're connecting with the mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. and you're joking and maybe you're doing capoeira, you're mm -hmm. developing, mm -hmm. you know, some type of new dance form because you just have this yearning to dance mm -hmm. with the, with your other fellow slaves. Hopefully you're being fed well. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you're not being like hurt or anything, but from a environmental perspective, like you're actually getting all the nutrients. Yeah. And then the royalty sits up on the chair inside of the domesticated home situation yep, yep. and eats all of Eat the things, sugary food and all the stuff. And they just get kind of pale and mm. sick, you know, mm. and, and it's, it's like we need to start to, well, we don't need to do anything, but we have the option to start to reintegrate some of these ancestral movement patterns into our life in a very seamless way. Mm -hmm. And it would be very simple to do these things. It just it, it just takes like a little bit of a, a, a willingness to say like oh, okay I'm gonna start to instead of thinking I'm gonna do a new workout program or something yeah what if I start to look at it more from an environmental perspective yeah I like that. so the amount of energy that we put in cool I'm, I got P90x you know I'm doing Tybo it's like great love love your Tybo uh, but like what's the shape of your house yes what's the shape of your office because that's your life yes you know the way you spend your days is the way you spend your life. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so that would be um, something that I think is just a, a worthy idea for people to start to investigate for themselves. Yeah, it's super cool. It's something I picked up from you a few years ago and I really took it to heart. And now I have like some cheesy lines about it too. Like I, I, I talk about diversifying your movement language and thinking yeah. of, we want to speak as many languages as we can with our movement. And I say that the greatest teacher is the floor. Say like right. the Rosetta Stone of your movement language is just getting down on the floor because these archetypal rest postures that you're talking about, they are self-scaling and limiting in a sense because you can sit in a straddle until you can't sit in a straddle then you move to 1990 and then that's yeah. really tight after a few minutes and then you're cross-legged and then you're now on your belly and you're in you know a prone cobra or something but you're just right like that life is practice philosophy and you can practice just sitting here like this and da, 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 da. or you can yeah. practice like moving dozens of iterations of different movements throughout the day to really diversify your movement language which hopefully creates a system that's a little more loosey-goosey and free yeah. and mobile and how and does then, that affect the and mind the, and then when you are sitting in your computer i mean i'm writing a new i you know wrote a book a few years ago i'm writing a new book now writing a syllabus for a certification program yeah. like i'm like on my computer a lot yeah uh while you're in those positions you could be starting to uh set yourself up for uh, mechanical success or mechanical advantage yeah uh by doing something as simple as just making sure that your hips are up above the height of your knees while you're sitting there cool yeah you know so the 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 l5 s1 vertebra in the, in the lower back the spine and pelvis they're the shape of a wedge with the larger side of the wedge facing towards the belly button yeah right and so the more mechanically advantageous position would be to just be sitting right on the front edge of those sit bones mm. right the ischial tuberosities little mm -hmm. bony protrusions come out your butt so if you're sitting just in the front edge of those guys, now suddenly you have a good foundation. So you could refer to these like those sit bones almost like I, I call them like the like the feet of your butt. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, so yeah. there's a there's you know, the feet are a popular conversation right now, at least in like the echo chambers I live in. Mm -hmm. Uh and, and so it's like, well, cool. That's great when you're standing, but you spend most of your day sitting. Yeah, right. You know, so let's figure out the the butt feet. You yeah. Know, make sure yeah. that it's like, okay, do I have one pelvis that's kind of like mm -hmm. cocked up to the side there? Do I have maybe one sides? Maybe it's like there's some torsion happening. Yeah. You know, so figure out that pelvic orientation and can you get a nice, even balanced, stable position with those sit bones while you're sitting down? Can you feel yourself rooted into the chair mm -hmm. or the floor, the floor mm -hmm. pressure, whatever it is? You know, and then from there, you could visualize maybe there's like a little string in the back of your head, subtly kind of creating mm -hmm. a subtle little lift up through your spine. You bring your hands down to the side of your ribs, breathe horizontally. We were talking in there, joking about calling it like alligator breath or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, just breathe horizontal, breathe mm -hmm. outward. Yeah. You know, start to engage that diaphragm. Uh, if you're a person that's stressed out, uh, there's a good chance you're breathing up in your chest. Yeah. There's a good chance you're like, you know, your clavicles are raising a lot yeah. while you're breathing. You might be mouth breathing. It might be really easy for you to inhale, but not that easy for you mm -hmm. to exhale. Inhalation's more of that sympathetic side, exhalation's more of that oh, yes. down regulatory side. We're continually oscillating through that. Everything's awake, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and so you can get stuck on maybe one yeah. side of the wave and then the other side's just like, like not quite going down. Full inhalation, full yeah. exhalation, slow it down through the nose. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of that, it just starts to bring your nervous system down and allows your body the spaciousness to start to heal while you're also putting yourself in a more mechanically advantageous position to potentially pick stuff up because your yes. body's always under construction. You yeah. always have fibroblasts and osteoblasts and clasts, building tissue and chewing tissue. Mm -hmm. Right now, as we're having this conversation, I'm gesticulating with my hands. I'm kind of bopping back and forth on my pelvis. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm planting my feet down on the ground now. I'm kind of going over the top with it. Like my body saying, okay, cool. This is how our end moves. Yes. Great. 
And I'm feeling a little pressure over here on the foot. I'm feeling a little pressure here on the pelvis. I'm feeling a little pressure on the side of the ribs with the way he's breathing. So we're going to start to format his body. We're going to bring some of this piezoelectricity into these places and send the indication to build him up stronger in these mm -hmm. positions. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll chew away some of that tissue over here because he's not using it. Yeah. Okay, we're going to start to wire the nervous system. to like, ah, okay, this is how Aaron breathes. Okay, since Aaron's breathing this way and he's breathing more horizontally and he's mm -hmm. getting that like full diaphragmatic engagement, it probably means Aaron's not scared right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. Probably means Aaron feels confident right now. Mm -hmm. Probably means Aaron feels safe right now. Mm. Okay, cool. Let's juice him up with all of the corresponding neurochemistry and hormones to indicate that he feels safe. And we're going to perpetuate that vibe. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it, or come from the other side and it's like, okay, Aaron's he's having issues making eye contact with the mm -hmm. person he's talking to. He's kind of looking away. Maybe he's kind of stuck. He's not really able to like move his shoulder girdles. It feels mm -hmm. like stuck. Mm -hmm. His breath is kind of stuck up into his up into his shoulders. He's doing a lot of recruitment of these like upper respiratory muscles. You know, he's he's, he's like mouth breathing. Mm. I can like hear him breathing. <sighs> Why is he so tired? You know, it's like he's, he's like wow. Okay, he's, he must be struggling. Yeah. Okay, let's get him. Let's get him out of this room. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's get him the norepinephrine. Let's get him the cortisol. Let's get him all of the corresponding chemicals to get him the hell out of this room. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's, it's like we can start to come in and change the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we produce ourselves just by starting to pull some of these like literal physical levers in our body, change yeah. the way we breathe, change the way we use our vision, um, change our postural patterns, start mm -hmm. just moving the body, allowing ourselves to kind of like naturally purge some of those stress chemicals and stress hormones that will manifest as a product of, you know, if you get stressed, your body is getting stressed exclusively to move you out of that situation. Right. It's not getting stressed so you can sit there and fester in stress hormones. Right. It is juicing you up to sprint, fight, throw, run, yeah. whatever you need. It, it's ready for movement. Yeah. In the culture that we live in, like the desk-bound culture that we live in, you get stressed by all the things and your response to that is like Instagram notifications. Mm. And you just, you just brew and fester with all of the things. And then you wonder why, you know, you do the kind of crazy you do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. And I love like, as you're even saying it and I'm sitting here and you're giving those cues, I can feel the micro adjustments that I want to make. And I would say I'm a person that's a little more aware than the average person of these important things. But even as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I could be a little taller. And oh yeah, I've been in this collapse position for a minute. Let me move my, you know, let me move my hip a little bit. And, Which and collapse and spinal flexion are, are different. Yeah. Like allowing the body to yeah. completely uh -huh. like collapse, collapse isn't bad. Yes. If you live in collapse, mm. when do you practice strength? Yeah, right. But being able to completely turn just into like jello mm -hmm. is a really powerful thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. You know, so so it's it's not getting in the idea of like posture. I've been, you know, asked probably a thousand times, like, what does posture mean? Yes. Like it posture is not a static position. Mm -hmm. You know, like lots of people have said, like your best position is your next position. Mm. You know, posture is a dynamic thing. It's an event. You know, so if you're just sitting, okay, cool, like I read the align method, I'm in perfect posture. You're failing. That's yeah. not it. Like that that's not it. Yeah. Perfect posture is is incorporating just more organic, dynamic expression mm -hmm. into your momentary experience mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. able to relax mm -hmm. into strength. Yeah. That, I mean, it sounds a little like poetic and wanky when I'm describing it, but like yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So I'm curious then if if we need some of almost these these um 
remind us to cue us into movement and that we're almost a, an extension of our environments. And if our environments are very just, again, sterile and square and sit here, that one of maybe the best things we can do to increase that natural movement is to set our environments up to encourage movement. I'm thinking now you gave me the align band when you came in. Mm. I'm going to put that on my door. When I walk past it, I'm going to want to just do it because it's there. So yeah, I've, I've, I've like tweaked my environment to be more conducive to movement. What's a few tangible things that people can do who want to move more, but find themselves just defaulting to the chair because it's easy. Like how do they make that space more inviting or how does it more naturally kind of drive organic movement? Well, I mean, anything that's some form of like, I would just say that anything that's an invitation down to the ground, is going to make a massive difference right. in your family. So put a yoga mat on the floor. Mm -hmm. Get like a really comfy rug. Mm -hmm. like a big yes, one. I love And those. don't just fill it up with a bunch of table. Don't get a big rug and then just yeah, have like right. some huge tables. Like now we put our fucking trophies on there Beautiful. or whatever. It's like, it's like open the space up. Yes. You know, and then when you have that open space, there's going to be just a natural organic invitation to be in the space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, hu the, the, the human adapts. You know, it's like the what is what is the 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 uh, the big Lebowski, the the dude abides. How's it go? I don't know. I'm English. I've seen the, big, the, what's big, the Lebowski big Lebowski. Dude. What does it say? He abides. <laughs> God dang it. Anyways, the human adapts to whatever environment. Like we're we're very malleable. Yeah. Right. So if you put us into an environment where okay, I walk into your house and you can go through your house and do like a little like movement audit. Yeah. Right. And just think, without even meeting any of the people in this home, how would this home shape? the structure of mm -hmm. that individual. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, what do you have in here? All right, I see you have a, a dinner table, same chair that you sit at in your office, you know, and then the airplane, mm -hmm. in your car, mm -hmm. and every other situation. I see you have your lazy boy recliner. I see you have your raised up toilet mm -hmm. that disallows the rectum to be able to actually mm -hmm. go into a full elongation to mm -hmm. have a proper defecation. Uh, I see you have a raised bed. It feels a little cramped in here. You got a lot of stuff, a lot of trinkets. Mm. Kind of have to like shuffle around and go from sitting to sitting to sitting to sitting. What kind of body would that form? You don't even need to meet the person. You already right. know their body before right. meeting the person. You know, so I would say just open up space. Yeah. Simplicity. Mm. You know, like less, less. There is some stuff. Yeah. Less you know, but better. Less That's, but better. It's the thing we struggle with in our culture, isn't it? We always think more is the solution. Like more trinkets, more stuff, more fluff. Yeah, fill less. this up. Mm. You know, and so, so yeah, I'd make the floor inviting. Uh, get floor cushions. Uh, and this isn't like a newfangled, wily, crazy, new mm -hmm. age idea. This is the, the entirety of your human history yeah. and every healthy culture around the world right now. Yeah, that's what they do. Right? This isn't a crazy thing. No, right. This is very normal, mm. right? If you look at the statistical trends of Americans, that's crazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like the amount that we spend in healthcare costs and orthopedic surgeries and yeah. chronic pain and depression, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This an idea like this is like, oh, this is very normal. This is a very like yeah. this is a this should be common conversation. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I'd, I would love to um because building on this idea of um it's kind of like remembering what we've forgotten almost. It's not, like you said, it's not a crazy new radical idea. It's remembering that that's who our people were forever and we spent a lot of time on the ground and you can extrapolate that out to the way we eat and modernize foods and how that's driving it and modernize light and our lack of sunlight and our fear of the sun and our lack of organic movements and the people that do move. I mean, it's great. I don't know if there's such thing as a bad movement, but what happens when those people go to the, the gym and they're under artificial lights and all they do is 30 minutes on the treadmill and then a couple of machines and the disintegrating 
the body and how it's how it's so unnatural and then we wonder why we're so sick and and off kilter despite all of this progress we've we've look how smart we are look how much stuff we've gotten look how cool it should be mm. yet we seem to be sicker fatter more depressed more anxious and i think you know that the movement the nutrition all of it it's just a complete environmental mismatch again to your earlier point that we really need to simplify and get back to doing what we've done for a long time mm. and a pivot I want to make here is another extension of more of the ancient way of life that's been lost in modern culture, almost this initiation process or rite of passage. And I'm curious your take on this because you recently did a very interesting rite of passage in your own way with a darkness retreat mm. and what that means to you as a, as a, you know, an, an extension of the align method. I'm guessing you're not moving too much there. It's a much more about alignment internally, this willingly choosing something that I can only imagine is very uncomfortable and you know, but also very profound. So how do you start, like like you said, you've evolved. What, what, where are these ideas coming from? Where's the value in something like this? And what was that experience like? That's a great way of positioning that question. Um, so I did a thing called a darkness retreat that I wrote about in the Align Method book, you know, whatever it came out, like four years ago. And then that turned into Aubrey Marcus, read the book, had me, oh, on, nice. his, had me on his podcast. And we talked about, darkness retreats in right, there, which right. I didn't have any experience with. I just have a, a chapter right. in the book around vision. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole section or it's called moving your senses. It's all about, you know, kind of a lot of stuff we're talking about. And so then he went off to wherever he went to Poland or Germany or mm -hmm. something like that to do his own darkness retreat, did a documentary about it. Uh, and then that kind of like brought up the challenge for me in a sense of like, oh shit, now I have to actually do this freaking oh, darkness do retreat. It too. You started the trend, man. You yeah, got to do it too. This is, yeah, this is, this is annoying. Uh, and since then, Aaron Rodgers recently yeah. did, did one, which yeah. he did in the same place that I did it at, which is, which is, which Very is fun. Cool. Um, yeah, it's like becoming like an, a th uh, like a kind of a more casual thing, Yes, which is exciting. Just going away for a week in the dark. No big deal. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny how things can go from being very obscenely strange mm -hmm. to once enough people kind of get on board, you're mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, right. Cool. Mm -hmm. Like that makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, so the, the, the darkness I was, uh, went in Wednesday evening, came out Monday morning. The fella, his name's Scott. I did a podcast with him. It's called 10 days in darkness with Scott Berman. Mm. Um, he comes, brings you food once a day, every day around like five o'clock or so. And you just fucking sit in a dark room with yourself, mm. and, you know, just allow yourself to unravel. Mm. Very interesting. Cause th during, during a, a typical day in the life, you have just abounding options for uh, distraction. Absolutely, yeah. Every sensation that you may have been bottled up and, and distracting yourself from since maybe you were a baby, maybe you were a teenager, maybe, you know, whatever age, and it's still, you know, in, in Buddhist traditions they call, uh, there's a term samskara. Yes, right. Samskara is like a, it's like a psycho-spiritual imprint of mm -hmm. sorts, something mm -hmm. kind of, you know, suboptimal happened, hard to, hard for you to process at age 17 mm. to whatever. And instead of allowing that experience to be able to really like move and circulate through the body, you know, and out and just be able to process and metabolize and, and be with that and make sense of it, you kind of maybe like bypass that. Mm. Okay, this is too much for me to handle right now. My, you know, my eight-year-old self, 
I can't really be fully present mm. to metabolize this experience. So we're just gonna kind of like stash that away. Yeah, we're gonna repress like that. Stick it down here somewhere. Let's stick it. Maybe it's gonna be in my, yeah. you know, my pelvic floor, maybe my diaphragm, or maybe my heart, or maybe mm -hmm. my throat, mm -hmm. or maybe my wherever. I'm just gonna like mm -hmm. put that in, and then naturally the body wants to heal. You know, mm -hmm. the body wants to be well circulated and balanced and aligned and integrated and all these different things. And so what it will do is it will start to kind of surface those trauma-based patterns into your life mm -hmm. in the form of maybe a crummy relationship mm -hmm. or maybe you sabotaging your job or maybe mm -hmm. you sabotaging just your potential in general. That's right, yeah. You know, and it'll just keep on coming up and then you got arrested and then you got a DUI and then you're yeah. just like, why are you just, bro, why are you jacking yourself up? Mm. Like, why don't you care about yourself? Mm -hmm. And it seems like you like, what is, what is going on? All of those are a cry for help. Yeah. You know, like, like the root of every person from my perspective and, you know, I've talked about this with Gabor Mate as well. I think the root of every person is, uh, you know, ease. Yeah. You know, and it's love and it's connection, you know, and it's empathy. And it's like, oh, mm -hmm. like that's the mm -hmm. root. And then different happenings can manifest through one's life that start to kind of shadow that a little bit yeah. and wrinkle that a little bit and dent that a little bit. And then a person get, can get to a point where they actually like forget that root self and they just become the dent and the wrinkle yeah. and the samskara and yeah. all the things. And they become a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. You know, or they become a cheater, they become a liar, they become a thief, they become all these things, all kind of wrapped around this fear wrapping like that inner child part. Yeah. You know, and if you allow yourself the spaciousness to just sit and process, I've, I've done a Vipassana as well, yeah, where you right. just sit for 10 days, kind of similar thing, um, stuff starts to come up. Yes. And it's very odd the way that yes. it works. And it's because the human heals. Mm -hmm. Like the human is a, is a wildly robust, adaptive, homeostasis mm -hmm. finding system. Yeah. If you were out of homeostasis, Typically, the way that we approach that is, cool, I'm going to just come in here and do all of this stuff. Yeah. Then finally, you discover fasting. Yeah. You know, or Vipassana, or you go to Peru and whatever. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, we created this spaciousness. And in that spaciousness, I allowed this inner intelligence to actually have an opinion yes. in the conversation, mm -hmm. as opposed to my ego saying, like, I'll take care of this. Mm -hmm. Aha. Mm -hmm. more calcium mm -hmm. you know more like whatever let's get a let's get a let's biohack this yes absolutely yeah i'm gonna yeah. do more yeah do more you know and so something like a darkness is a complete opposite of that yeah i'm gonna do absolutely nothing and no. just allow that internal conversation to come to the surface and it's wildly uncomfortable mm. and all sorts of weird sensations inevitably will pop up if you uh, allow them to, which you really don't really have much of a choice because you have no way to distract. Yes. You know, and so in that process, things come up, it's uncomfortable. You kind of like, you know, I like lose my marbles in various different directions, uh, feel really scared, feel really sad, feel really happy, feel like just go through this like, you know, the roller coaster of, right? of emotions. And in that, it's like the body's natural, innate healing system is just kind of starting to go on. Uh, purge mode purge, and yeah. just and you ah, ooh, ah, you go through all of this crazy yeah. stuff and the body's just mm -hmm. keep, mm -hmm. keep, keep going you know i still have a you know a bunch of shit to purge but it's 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 a little bit less yeah and yeah. when you purge 
some of that stuff, it's like removing some stuff from your house. That's it. Yeah. You know, now you have a little bit more spaciousness to move. Okay. The house isn't perfect. Right. But I can like move around in here a little bit, mm-hmm. feel a little more comfortable. It's like a little more light coming in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and then it's like, if you do something that's somewhat purgative, you'll probably end up coming back to your house and be like, I need some more space in here. Yeah. Maybe I need to move houses. Yeah. I need more light. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this, I need to like, this doesn't fit my vibe. Why are the walls black? Mm-hmm. You know, why do I have this picture of this like sadistic clown on my wall? Yeah. In my, in my, you know, whatever room. It's like, that's not my vibe anymore. Yeah. I'd like something. I'd like a picture of a waterfall, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's your environment fits your internal experience and vice versa. You can, you can pull on them. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that, that what you said about just firstly, it's wildly uncomfortable for most people to even entertain that idea because most people can't be alone with themselves for 30 seconds before pulling out the, you know, the, the Instagram and going into the scroll hole to think about sitting with yourself in complete darkness, absent any of these distractions, knowing that you're going to have to meet yourself is, is really scary. But there is something about being courageous enough to go into those spaces where you can commune with your wounded parts because they, they have wisdom, you know, and mm. I think that is you kind of red pill yourself into the belief then that nothing's the same as it was before you went into that, right? Everything is different now. And I'm going to look at things with these fresh eyes because I released a little bit of that baggage and it can't be, you know, it's just so profound in so many ways because I can't imagine that it doesn't impact every single thing that you do from the way you seek relationships to how you show up to how it influences how you write your book and what story you want to tell and all of that stuff. And I think it's just, it's really cool because we, we talk a lot, um, you know, about healthier and right working through these steps and ultimately, you know, getting to a point where we, we kind of reach this healthier, more vibrant state where we've got more energy to, to, put into things and and really go after our last step is step seven which is achieve your why and that's all about like what do you really want and most people don't know and how can you turn radical health into your radical self and i think a lot of the breakthrough of that glass ceiling is these crazy initiatory experiences that you have to seek out because if you just go on the kind of you know the treadmill of life you're you're maybe not going to find them um you have to be willing well, to go life is pretty psychedelic too though and like that's that's the thing that i i if there was a takeaway from the darkness thing um which i try not to talk about this stuff and oh too much of like a pompous kind of area right. like yeah. i did a hard thing so now yeah. i'm like some transcendent it's like it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're sitting alone in a dark room for a while mm-hmm. like all things considered, like things that humans have done yes. in history, yes. not that big of a deal. Yeah. Raising children, way more of a big deal. Yeah, you know, and and like way more psychedelic, probably in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, that's you know, trip. seeing the reflection of like, wow, mm-hmm. it's like my whoa, my my freaking. I was gonna make a, a joke about semen, but I don't know how you guys <laughs> how you guys operate on this podcast. But it's like, you know, this you're an, you're me. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, you yeah. went from like a naughty thought to like me in human form in front of me mm. that is so trippy mm-hmm. you know it's it's like it's like like most of life is wildly psychedelic yeah you know and and so if you open yourself up to i think the reality that this plane that we're on right now is incredibly interesting mm-hmm. you know like we don't really know what's going on here mm-hmm. what is a dream mm-hmm. when you're in a dream it feels like real life yes you know, and that's like Alan Watts has has a bit about that. Mm. You know, where it's like if you started off with a dream. Hopefully, I remember how how he, how he said this correctly. But if you'd start off in that dream, you would maybe 
you'd be able to use your imagination. You'd be like, wow, like I could do anything. I'll, I'm going to be able to fly and I can, you know, I get any, all the money I want and just like whatever you want. And then you're like, okay, cool. We've done that for a while. And I'm like, I'm getting bored. I yeah. can do anything I want. Yeah. Like, this is kind of weird. Okay. Well, the next step, if you really want to go in on this dream is to forget that you're in the dream. Mm. And then it's like, wow. Well, mm. Okay. Now this is, this is a real adventure that you're on. You know, and so in the in the darkness thing, that was something because I didn't bring any kind of like plant medicines or mm-hmm. you know whatever. Um, it's you realize, oh my god, this plane of my consciousness is so endlessly interesting, mm-hmm. and all I have done for a good chunk of my life is numb and self soothe and avoid it. Yeah, it's like wow, mm. and now I'm seeking out these peak experiences. I'm gonna go to. Peru, I'm gonna do ayahuasca. I'm gonna, you know, get do five grams of penis envy mushrooms mm-hmm. in the woods by myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, those are peak experiences, yes. And right here, right now, is as psychedelic as you know you possibly need. Yeah. If you're willing to open yourself up to that. Yeah. And we chase it with, you know, jumping in the cold plunge, right? Too. And, you know, doing these other things. We're we're trying to chase something that, you know, just puts us in that kind of bliss mode that yeah. like connection to something bigger than it's, that it's all just comes moment. down to receptivity yeah if you're receptive you can hear a lot yeah you know and i know that i'm my res- level of receptivity is at times very blunted and at times very open it's not like you know i'm just like a, a clear channel yeah here but i am receptive yeah like that's something that i'm leaning into it's like oh man like i'm kind of clairvoyant yeah i never realized that that was i I felt more like ashamed Mm. to say something like wow like you've got powers bro Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like for most of human history we've been very mystical beings yeah right like mysticism and animism and you know greek mythology and you know it wasn't until like like the the late 1800s that we even transitioned into germ theory and got out of like the four humors of hippocrates yeah Oh, if there's something going, you got anxiety, you got, you know, paranoia, you got depression. It's like, oh, I think the, your yellow bile and your black bile, I think we're going to bloodlet a little bit. And, you know, maybe we're going to cut a chicken over your head and spill that blood (laughs) down your chest. Like that's human. Yeah. Like for most of our history. Yes. Rationality and scientism and all that. This is new. That's brand new. Mm -hmm. Like we're spiritual beings first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we've been, you know, we've kind of, intentionally forgotten that yeah and we're leaning towards if i can't measure it inside of a beaker i don't know exactly how many milliliters there are i don't have a double blind study yeah and i can't hold it in my hand it's not completely visible in my hand i don't trust it yeah right right most of what's happening here you can't hold in your hand no and the one thing that would always trip up the scientific materialist in that sense is the you know the obvious question of do you believe in love of which of course who doesn't believe in love and right it's the most powerful can you, force can you weigh measure on that? the planet can you track that in a lab can you put that in a petri dish of course not so i, I totally get what you're saying there and this again it's it's kind of like coming full circle on that point of that childlike curiosity again right that's that's who we are i'm, I'm watching my three-year-old develop very much in that space and life just gets really serious and a lot of us have trauma and a lot of you know difficult things happen and it kind of we kind of lose it you know and i think these experiences that you're talking about are a way to find it again and um you know to to I ultimately always think that health um, and, and getting as healthy as we can 
affords us more experiences in life and that experience is our greatest teacher like a lot of what you know you've learned from amazing guests on the podcast for example but probably the bulk of what you know is through experience and what you've sought after and what you've done mm. and the healthier you get i think the more experiences you get to have and the therefore the wiser you can become and the more life you can live mm. and that's why this health thing is so vast and it's why we want to have you know conversations that are not just about you know the the diet framework but also the more holistic mental side of things um you know yeah. that we've been kind of diving into today yeah as you become healthier you reduce static so you're able to listen more deeply to, mm -hmm. your, to your wife or your husband or your children or you know your employees or the people that you work with or just the people that you see in the street and you get coffee from someone yeah you know i just had a i did a podcast with a guy called boyd vardy yes, oh, i love that yesterday guy. he's great the lion trucker's guide to life right yeah he's, yeah he's very good he's like a sage he's like he a proper like he's a mystic. shaman mm -hmm. mystic uh, which again, these things, these are, these are words that I've had people comment on, on my podcast. I've, I've most of the time, if I would ever say any words like that or anything yeah. that would venture into what I would think to be kind of like new age, the spiritual woo woo world, yeah. I would always preface was like quotations yes. and mm -hmm. all of this. Mm -hmm. I, I would mm -hmm. pad all of it. Yeah. I'm like, no bitch. Like he's a mystic. Yeah. That's yeah. it. He's tapped into something. Just listen to the guy speak, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you can you can ask any question mm -hmm. and he can kind of just like find some stillness and like tap into something beyond himself yeah. and present information. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's a thing, right? Like, like, like we can be open with uh, just how powerful we are. Yeah. You know, we don't need to be so um, self-deprecating and don't need to use air quotes. And it's like, you know, like that's, it's okay to be, kind of like a, like a mystical powerful being yeah you know and have those aspects of yourself expressed um but oh what was it? there was a there was a story that i was excited about him telling i don't remember what it is now i got all hopped up about about puffing his puffing his tires he yeah but he is so good God, for any he had other a listeners. story he has such son a son of a gun he had a story what is what is the story come on man maybe it'll come i don't back remember the story it'll, it'll have to maybe come it'll back come back to you. i dropped the ball on that so like we kind of, this was really fun, man, because we went all over the map here. Um, and that, that again is just an extension of health is just not in any of these one singular areas that it's, it's just this complete, you know, abundant and wide and varied, amazing landscape. And like you said, your evolution has been more in the physical and now that it extends to different areas and it's wacky and wonderful. And that's very similar to my experience too. Mm. But if we were try to like ground it in tangible, you know, methods, takeaways, if you will, for the audience that's listening, how do they start to live the aligned method? How do they start to come into alignment? What are some of the key habits or systems or even just philosophies, overarching themes of your work that are a high level kind of, but very high impact to think about implementing in your life? If I could uh, yeah. ask you such a, a big question. Yeah, no, I love that. You got to do stuff, do hard things. Mm. You know, like, like, don't, like, if, like, entering into, like, like I mentioned, like, like, whatever the term is, puffing, what's it called? Puffing his tires? Blood, inflating his tires. Yeah, yeah. Inflating pumping point. your tires. Pumping his tires. Yeah. yeah. Outside of, like, in, like, pumping our tires of, like, oh, wow, you're so powerful. You're amazing. You're, like, tapped into source and all mm -hmm. of the things. Like, that's great. You also need to do shit. Yeah, you do. Like, action. Let's move some weight. Yes. You know, let's, like, like, let's start in, if, if most of one's lifestyle is spent, domesticated inside of a in a home sitting in front of a you know a desk in front of a computer and then onto their phone or the, like we all know what that's going to do mm -hmm. 
So I think there's a balance between maintaining modern culture in the direction of, of modernity. And it's great that we have technology. It's great mm -hmm. that I can have a, someone that works for me in Oregon and someone else works for me in England, someone else works for me in the Philippines, someone else works yeah. for me in all these different places. And we can be seamlessly connected on Slack mm -hmm. and I can send videos to each other. And it's like, wow. And I have the publishers in New York and I have like, it's like, wow. Yeah. I can pick out all these amazing beings mm. around planet earth and we can connect because of technology yeah so cool we can create cool stuff uh and within that real simple things just like take an audit of your environment mm. what would the shape of your environment do to your body very easy mm. you know start maybe get a pull-up bar in your house that'd Big be one. that'd be that'd be a really easy seamless no-brainer suggestion yeah it's you create visual cues inside your environment you will adapt to the shape of that environment now, every time that. you walk through that doorway that common doorway that your whole family walks through yeah say hey let's play a game let's just do a little hang yeah maybe you do a little trick off yeah. of it every time you do it maybe hang for 15 seconds every time yeah. you pass through you know in the chapter whatever in the line method book i recommend 90 seconds of hanging a day there's a book uh, called Shoulder Pain by a guy called Dr. John Kirsch, who's an orthopedic surgeon, found that 98% of the patients that would come in for shoulder impingement syndrome, where they're actually going to have a, a surgical intervention, yeah. were completely healed, recovered full functional range of motion, pain down to zero. Fascinating. From just taking the shoulder through like a basic fundamental native pattern that's probably done for millennia. Yeah, right. That we don't do anymore. Right. It's so not a big deal, Yeah. this health thing. Yeah. We so overcomplicate it. You know, it's like, okay, cool. Like the shoulders structured to hang. If you look at the shape of the, the length of the clavicle, you look at the shape of our hands, we hang much better than monkeys. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of like a monkey bar, it should be like an eight bar or, mm -hmm. or a human bar. Um, we're like the human ape. Our ability to throw is unlike any yeah. other primate. You yeah. know, like, like a, a toddler can throw better than any primate. Right, right. And it's like, wow, like the human is amazing. Mm. You know, we can hold our breath for 24 and a half minutes. Yeah. We can dive down 200 odd meters. We can go to the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. We can power lift. We can sprint. Like we, like we are so cool. Yeah. We're pretty remarkable. Yeah. We're freaking remarkable. Mm. And we live more in a place of, especially where you come from, it's a lot more like self-deprecation. Yeah. You know, if you see like a sunflower raising up too high, it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Hey, hey, hey hold on, hold puppy. on, hold on. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's like, what if we start to look at it from another perspective? Like I see how powerful you are yeah yeah and the only way to see that in somebody else is to see it in yourself yeah mm -hmm. you know so so doing the work within yourself just to clear out some space suddenly things start to shift relationships start to shift perception of the world starts to shift and the way to do that is to get a little bit healthier beautiful the way to get a little bit healthier is to take care of your mind yeah you know and you can take care of your mind by taking care of your body yes and you can take a walk outside and when you're taking a walk outside look up into the trees you don't mm -hmm. need to get some stupid eye chart mm -hmm. and be a freaking nerd, you know, and sit on your computer and then go to the eye chart and L P T walk outside. Yeah. Nature's got it. Just yeah. look at a bird. Cool. Do what you've done forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then while you're outside, if you're waiting for something, you know, maybe pop a squat. Yeah. Cool. And maybe get a squatty potty or you can be a total weirdo and like squat on top of a toilet seat, which I think is a great thing to be able to do. Cause if you're ever in a public bathroom anywhere, 
Funny story for you on that one. I spent a lot of time in Asia traveling and where they'd modernized a little bit more and actually put toilets in, they had signs in those bathrooms that you couldn't squat on the toilet because oh, that's funny. Asians were so used to I would still squat you know, squatting uh, yeah. that they had to move them away. But yeah, man, when, you, when you squat to poop, you elongate the rectum. So you yes. reduce what's called the anorectal angle and you yeah. relax the puborectalis muscle and it allows the poop chute to actually lengthen so you can take a shit. Yeah, we got the, pop, the potty squatty things here, the little feet elevation things so you can take really nice poops if you ever come to mm. austin still not as good as squatting though no it's still kind of bullshit yeah like you can you're like it's not i'm not impressed <laughs> <laughs> not impressed with you not, not impressed dude i really appreciate this conversation man i love your energy and your insights and and how hopeful and abundant it really is and i think it's a it's a message that we need now more than ever we can get so focused on what's so wrong and all these problems and and you're right you know yeah. so much of it is simplifying and uh one cool thing we get to do now is actually talk to some live callers. So mm -hmm. would you like to get into chat into some guests on the phone and see what we can help them with? That's it. All right. So first up today, we're going to be joined by Sally from Missouri, who's got a question all about chronic, very low carb dieting for over 15 years. Some stuff that's going on here that seems to be hormonal related to the menopause. So uh, Sally, if you are on the line, Tell us a little bit more about this story and let's see if we can help you. Hi, um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm 68 years old and mm. I've been doing carnivore for the last two years. Prior to that, um, I did very low carb for 15 years. And I've heard Dr. Paul talk about how that can, um, doing the low carb for so long can affect your thyroid and hormones. Well, um, I went through menopause about 13 years ago, and I have hot flashes every single night that wakes me up two and three times a night. Hmm. So um, I've, I've been trying to eat um, more carbs, but it's um, I've gained a few pounds from that, which I'm not happy with that. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not very big. I um, I'm five foot one and weigh 125 and I'm eating 100% um, grass-fed beef three times for three meals a day. So um, I don't know if I need to cut down on my protein or up my carbs or I don't even know if, you know, at this point if uh, what will take care of it. All right, cool. I appreciate that, Sally. Let's have a look at it um, from a couple of different angles. I guess I'll tackle some maybe nutritional suggestions first and, and riff on that and then hand it over to Aaron to see what he's got to add from more of like a, a lifestyle and a holistic management perspective. So something that you alluded to right off the bat there is a carnivore lifestyle, very low carbohydrate lifestyle for over 15 years can be very stressful over that prolonged period of time. You know, it's gonna be a very powerful tool, but if you think about that stretched out over a long period of time, it's kind of a, a signal from the environment that the scarcity, right? Ancestrally speaking, we should be having a little more carbohydrates, at least seasonally with the fruit. Now, hearing that you added a couple of pounds after adding the carbohydrates back in, I don't think is totally uncommon. You know, a lot of us have seen that here. If we've been, you know, strict low carb for a long time, we've come back and tried to diversify our diet a little bit, get in some post-workout carbohydrates, for example. You also 
have to remember that the glycogen is going to pull in some water. You're going to have more water retention in the muscle. You're going to hold on to a little bit more sodium. So let's not equate necessarily the, the couple of pounds you've gained are fat. It could just be you've got a little more fluid in the muscles and not convinced that that's a bad thing necessarily because it could be holding on to more electrolytes and helping you feel good. But I'm, I'm the, the kind of red flag, I guess, here for me is that you went through menopause 13 years ago and those hot flashes are still persisting. This indicates to me that, you know, there's a transient change when you go through menopause hormonally, of course, but it seems like that's not been able to settle down. It's not been able to subside. And I'm going to guess that that's because of this stress or scarcity in the body, whether that's a, a chronic total restriction of food calories. I mean, saying that you eat grass-fed beef three times a day, I'd probably guess that your protein number is pretty good. I'd love to get a kind of sense on that where you're falling in terms of protein and also total, you know, calories. But I think it is time to start, you know, tiptoeing into the world of diversifying the plate a little bit, getting a little bit of those healthy, you know, nature's provided carbohydrates, the fruit, the honey, the maple syrup, you know, God forbid some white rice or some organic potatoes or something like that to just give the body what it needs to signal abundance, not so much just this scarcity of there's no carbohydrates and the stress that comes with that. So I want to hand it back to you really quickly here, Sally. Have you ever done anything that looks like, um, you know, a macro breakdown, a total calories breakdown? When you say you've added some carbohydrates back in, how much are we talking? about and just this whole stress piece you know does that resonate at all from a physiological standpoint first um well definitely when i added more carbs back in i felt it felt different um, um i could feel uh, when i was doing low carb it, it actually felt energizing which i heard dr paul say that that was stress mm. or stress on my body but it was energizing to me um so I kind of figured yesterday I ate about 80 carbs, which is a lot more carbs than I was ever eating before. Um, I could be eating too much. Uh, like I said, I'm not really big. I could be eating too much protein because um, I don't have a food scale. So three good portions of beef a day. And um, I don't know if I, I'm going to get a food scale. I guess I'm trying to figure out if my protein right. Um, yeah. I was just going to say on the protein point really quick, uh, at least if you're going to overdo one of the macros, it's good to overdo protein. It's not necessarily a combustible fuel like carbohydrates or fat. They're a bit easier to, you know, break down, store as body fat. Protein is very thermic, right? We call it, you know, if you heard people say they get the meat sweats because there's a thermic effect of feeding of protein. So if there's a macro that's good to drive up to be pro-metabolic, to boost your metabolism, it would be protein. And that's why it's not impossible to overdo anything. The dose makes the poison in everything, but it's probably unlikely that you're massively overdoing protein. Even three good servings, you know, if you're getting 50 grams of serving, which would be good, that's 150 grams of protein that would be on the high end for your needs. But I think I'd focus again more on just either, we've said protein, a lot we haven't talked about fat so you know if, if the meat is is nice fatty cuts very important for hormonal health right you're going through something here that's clearly hormonal but also still just bumping those carbohydrates a little bit i think 80 is a good start but i think you can definitely go and start flirting in the hundreds and see how that feels and slowly titrating up to your point about feeling really good, very low carb, that is definitely an argument to be made that you are potentially running off stress hormones. You're running a lot of cortisol um, because you're breaking down the through gluconeogenesis pathways that it feels really good and it feels buzzy, but that's cortisolemic. It's um, you know very kind of adrenaline focused. It's like buzzing off caffeine all day. 
which can feel great, but might mm -hmm. not necessarily be the optimal environment for the body to heal. So there's some other things you could do here. Obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of being your own scientist here. You're running the experiments. You could always look at blood work, of course. You could check your thyroid. You could do all this stuff to get a little bit more validation about what's going on. But again, we're always going to look at this from the lens of creating balance in the body and signaling abundance from our environment. And I don't think that necessarily looks right when it's just chronically very low carbohydrates and you've just done it for such a long time. And maybe there was a lot of healing in that, but maybe it's time now to just start, you know, widening the scope of, of what you can eat. And also like some of the lifestyle practices that come with that. I'm, I'm interested here in the, you know, the sleep and the, the night sweats and things like that. So what I actually want to do now is take the opportunity to invite Aaron to add anything to this conversation from more of a lifestyle perspective, um, you know, stress management perspective, movement perspective. Is there anything as you're sitting there listening to that conversation aside from the nutrition that could be an interesting thread to pull on here? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that was a very thorough response. I really enjoyed Thank receiving you. all that. That's beautiful. Um, from a uh, one of the things you mentioned was stress. And if that is something that's happening, I think a person can kind of venture into the realm of almost like orthorexia mm -hmm. with, with excessive focus on nutrition uh, and stepping outside of that, kind of like relinquishing a little bit of that excessive focus of, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Uh, that is additive to the stress yeah. bucket of a person. Uh, and so implementing just really simple lifestyle choices like, are you spending enough time outside in nature yeah are you spending enough time maybe buy a body of water by around trees start noticing the ambient sounds in your environment does that affect your nervous system maybe are you around a lot of traffic notice the difference between honking horns and sirens compared to chirping birds and yes. a waterfall um, noticing the way that you're breathing are you maybe breathing more through your mouth are you breathing more through your nose i would recommend breathing more through your nose you could even tape your mouth if that would be not too wild mm -hmm. for you uh, emphasizing long exhalations, that's going to start to downregulate your nervous system as well. So you could do a breathing practice or you just generally while you're taking a walk, emphasize, mm. get all the air out. <sighs> you could be audible with that as well. That's going to help to start to tonify the vagus nerve among you know, the rest of the nervous system. So humming, you know, it's mm -hmm. like there's ancient mm -hmm. practices like oming, which mm. seems really spiritual and esoteric, but, you know, just whistling is a lot like an om. Mm -hmm. or oh, you're pretty much oming you know so you can start to integrate some of those odd esoteric spiritual practices into just like the way that you navigate your physiology in a very natural normal way things that induce laughter you know that's an exhalation yeah. as well uh being excessively myop myopically stressed out focused on your nutrition isn't going to induce laughter it's going to induce more contraction you know, so kind of just giving yourself a little bit of permission to explore, you know, and, and allow just a little more space, uh, I think, in, in life in general, and including nutrition, probably what I'd say. Yeah, that was awesome. And I, I think it's really important to look at it from that lens, uh, Sally, because it sounds like you've been really focused on the nutritional aspect of that. And everything works until it doesn't. And it seems like we're hitting a little bit of a brick wall. And you're obviously well-educated. You're obviously reading. You're researching the right kind of threads. You're investigating for yourself. 
but maybe this alternative perspective, this more holistic perspective, because that stress that is present is definitely going to make it hard for your body to come into some sense of alignment and homeostasis where it can truly heal and the hormones can settle down. And I think some of the tangible takeaways there from Aaron are really good. So looking more at that lifestyle, looking more at that stress management, and hopefully you can then start to come into balance, sleep a little bit better, that's recovery. Um, so I know it's difficult and frustrating sometimes when there's not a clear answer and it's, you know, just do this and it will fix this. But there's there's a lot to play with there and there's a lot to sit with there. And I would encourage you to just kind of sit with it all and, and kind of let it percolate a little bit. What, what, what resonates with you? What are you doing or not doing? And where could we do maybe a little bit more of this kind of coming into balance again? And I do want to get you hooked up with one of the members of the health success team here because this hormonal issue is super interesting. So I think looking potentially at, you know, some of our supportive supplements here, like the Her Package and the Whole Package to really come into balance after the menopause obviously progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, they all get a little bit out of whack. So slowly introducing those and seeing how your body responds. And then again, not being so myopically focused on it's all about diet. It's all about this stuff that, yeah, there's a the diet's important. Of course, we know that. But also these lifestyle factors are really important too. So good luck on your journey, Sally. Please check in with us and let us know how you're going. And we hope we've got something for you there. Thank you, Sally. Ooh, Sally. And last but certainly not least, we got Mia from Massachusetts. Mia has a question. Uh, she is a group therapist and she's working with clients, it sounds, that have a history with addiction and she wants to help them kind of choose a healthier diet. So give us a little context on that, Mia, and how we could potentially add some, uh, add some juiciness to this conversation. Hey, Stay. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I just want to say I'm very grateful to read your posts every morning. Um, it's inspired me to follow an animal-based diet, and I've never felt better. So thank you for that. You are very welcome. Um, and my question is, yeah, um, do you have any advice or tips on how to help clients make healthier food choices that are earlier in recovery for substance abuse? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I'm super excited to hear Aaron's uh, intake on this. But the thing that I've I've experienced when I've had some clients that have had addictions in the past is the, I guess, the underlying unmet needs that often drive a lot of those. Um, you know, it's the the food is is something that's so in our face because we do it three times a day every single day and people typically with addictive personalities and tendencies can overcompensate become orthorexic to your point earlier or, or you know just get so stuck at the level of the mind and usually connecting the dots as to what is going on here in in maybe the past there's something that they're still holding on to there's some sense of an unmet need that they're now meeting in a in a misaligned way maybe they're soothing with food potentially they're very stressed and, and that becomes the outlet and we've also got this you know the elephant in the room uh, of trauma and these other things that can potentially be at play here when we're working with people that have had battles with addiction but Aaron I'd love to hear you've interviewed some of the you know the brightest minds in this field and obviously have your own input through that experience what would you kind of add to a conversation like this or even what would you throw back to me or what's what's going on here for you um well i mean i think from food kind of like the last call oftentimes we can be excessively restrictive on ourselves and kind of perpetually be in this state of like i'm a naughty boy i'm yeah. a naughty girl and I, I i was right you know i did the good thing for two days i made it three days i made it four days and then hmm. you blow it out and binge again uh, so I think coming from another position of, you know, inviting in the things that are good for you, you know, so I like the idea of like, you can eat as much of you as you want 
of these things. Yes. You know, and, and front load with the things that are actually nutritious for you. And then from there, like you have full permission to eat whatever it is that yeah. like is your, your dirty, naughty thing. And just, it's like within the realm of trauma work and within the realm of you know, anything in relation to one psychology, which is, I think everything, uh, if we're continually operating from that lens of, um, removal, you know, mm. and exclusion and taking away. I think it can start to just, we start to just kind of like push around some of those shadow sides. They don't go anywhere, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I think that that's, that can be a really pleasant thing of coming, just starting to reframe more from a lens of like, okay, well, what can I do? Yes. It's not all about what you can't do and why you're a naughty boy or naughty girl. Like, what can I do? Yeah. You know, so having more of like an invitation as opposed to exclusion, I think can be a supportive model as well. Yeah, how's that sound, Mia? Do you have anything else that, that you know that brings up? Any other questions? Does that give you some some good ideas to work with? Absolutely, yeah. I think this is some really good uh, material and insight. Um, so I am a health coach at a treatment center. Um, the patients are here for about 30 days. And I facilitate groups that kind of focus on just the foundations of nutrition. Yeah. And many of the patients struggle with sugar cravings in mm -hmm. particular and kind of just frustration. They say, oh, I don't know what to eat anymore now because I'm telling them that, you know, saturated fats are not harmful. Mm -hmm. It's the trans fats, the seed oils, the added sugars that are hurting us. So they don't, you know, they're surprised, but they don't really like that answer because they have, you know, cookies 24-7 here. Um, so what I kind of focus on is the macronutrients, gut health, and then ways to avoid the processed foods. Um, so that's kind of the, the foundation of my curriculum there. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I just firstly just want to say thank you for doing that work, you know, like for people that are in recovery and are trying to break addictive patterns to have this new element to it as well, which is also thinking about how they feed themselves and keep the microbiome healthy and how that affects the, you know, the serotonin systems and dopamine systems. I think it's incredibly wonderful, but I think I would just piggyback kind of on, on, on building on what Aaron said. Again, it's taking the focus. They're already in, they're, they're doing the work, right? They're, they're in rehab. They're already giving up so much. And all of a sudden you come along and you're like, oh, you also can't have this and that and the other. So it's trying to take the focus on what we have to give up and that this, this language of, I can't, right? Oh, I can't eat this anymore. And I can't eat sugar to what do you get to do? What do you get to choose? How do you get, what do you get because of those choices and, and trying to anchor people more to the hopeful future of the health, you know, like, okay, maybe we are going to choose not to eat these foods at this point in our life because they're maybe not serving us. But the thing that we're going to get in response to that is hopefully our health back and this sense of control. But there's a way in which you have to deliver that, I think, that that doesn't so much focus on, oh my God, this is so restrictive and I'm giving everything up and it's sucking the last, you know, bundle of joy that I have from my life because I'm already here. I'm at a low point anyway. So it's really probably trying to get those, those, those people, those members, those clients to focus on their why and what they get to gain. Any closing thoughts on that one, Aaron? Um, no, I mean, I think that's good. I, I, I think that the, the other question, I guess, would be like, obviously, if a person is craving these particular foods, they're, they're probably soothing something, Yeah, you know, and they've habituated themselves to that being like a soothing pattern for them. Yeah. And also it could be an indication, probably is an indication to some degree that their body's saying we need fast energy mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. you know, so there's probably some type of deeper sympathetic response mm -hmm. that's going on. So I would also come into a place of not, I, I typically steer away from the nutritional conversations because mm -hmm. I'm not an expert with it. 
Um, and I think that sometimes we can become so myopically focused in that yeah. realm that we forget like the terrain that the nutrition, the nutrition actually passes through Bingo. your intestines and your psychology and your yeah. mind, like that whole relationship. You know, so what if a person say hypothetically is in more of this sympathetic place, uh, and they're craving some type of fast energy to kind of remediate whatever's, whatever's happening in there, that like panic response. What are some other soothing practices that we can start to tap into? So Love it. it's all things that, you know, I've talked about ad nauseum. They're all in, in my book. And like, it's just, I think it's a lot of people are talking about these things, but examining how's the person sleeping, mm -hmm. uh, examining how's the person breathing, um, s like visceral massage could be yeah. a really powerful tool as cool, well. Cool. Seeking out like a, like a manual therapist, a rolfer, um, or an osteopath that does manual therapy, but like physical contact. Yes. You know, and that's something that there's research from a woman called Dr. Tiffany Field in, in University of Miami. She wrote a book called Touch that I reference in my book as well. Uh, and she's done a ton of research around the, the power of touch. Touch is a nutrient. Yeah. Right. We think it's like, like if you're just sitting alone inside some hole eating freaking liver pills and you think <laughs> that that's health, like that's not health. No. Like you Absolutely. need community. You want to be around a fire. You yeah. want someone to put their hand yes. on your knee and like listen to you deeply. Mm -hmm. That's nourishing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so like that, like implementing more of like, okay, how can we pour into these people, not just through this orthorexic lens of, of yeah. nutrition, not that nutrition is bad, but once it gets too myopic, I think it becomes, we just like miss, Absolutely. you know, or we get too tunnel vision with it, you know, but the Dr. Tiffany Field research suggested that babies that were born prematurely and so they were in, in incubators, uh, they started to introduce just 15 minutes of touch a couple times a day for, it was like a week. And they found, if I remember the, the numbers exactly, I believe that the, the infants would grow 47% faster. The touched wow. infants would grow 47% faster than those that were not. Wow. So it's literally directly affecting their metabolism and their capacity to grow in a healthy way yeah. because they're getting the indication that they're safe, they're loved, they're connected. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get that from eating anything really if you don't have that sensation of belonging that sensation of connection that sensation of like you're a good you're a good man yeah mm -hmm. i love you mm -hmm. i see you i hear you mm -hmm. it's like oh okay yeah cool give me the liver pills yeah let's go <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> that's wonderful um and yeah i think that there's some really good suggestions there and it's just that invitation again there's the classic you know if all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail and there's actually a lot more tools at our disposal and some of these tools that are emerging that are, are incredibly beneficial i love that idea as a, a touch in community as a nutrient and it's funny right because like so many people get closed off to that too because we've been deprived of it for so much it's almost yeah. like when it was first have that part of me wants to close it i'm not comfortable it kind of feels good but I'm scary. Like, what's going on here you know it's so, like a person gets um they get uh cochlear implants and then mm -hmm. they've been deaf and they first are able to hear mm -hmm. it's actually almost like violent yes it's like, oh, oh it's, yeah. it's too much yes you know so to be reintroduced into a loving community could be a little uncomfortable yeah. it's like distrusting yeah and if you're a traumatized person yes. you have your guard up and you've probably subconsciously had your guard up for the last you know decades yeah so to be able to feel mm -hmm. safe enough to remove that probably someone telling you all the things you can't do and why you've been a bad person mm -hmm. and we're gonna like you know purify you probably not gonna do it yeah yeah you, you know it's it's like it's it's like power versus force kind of idea like 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 power you know force if we're like pushing a person into a thing 
you can fake it for a while, but it's just like the sustainability of it is I think just challenging. Yeah. You know, whereas coming from a place of like, okay, how do we really make you feel safe? Yeah. How do we make you feel seen, loved, heard, connected with a part of something bigger than yourself? You know, in the AA world, they, they refer to most of addiction as, as a spiritual malady. Right. Yes. You know, and it's like, if you really mm -hmm. pull it back, it's like, yeah, like, am I, do I have, am I connected to something higher than yes. just fuck this? Yeah. Like, me? You know, and so I think that that coming into all of those aspects is is invaluable and nutritious. Yeah, yeah, and and everybody needs it, and particularly, or potentially even more so, people that are in these very vulnerable spots right now. You know, they're they're in recovery, they're asking for help, they need this. Like we all need it; it's a human need. But there's a almost mm -hmm. a, a delicacy we have to handle people that are in addiction recovery with, because like you said, there's. That's the, the, those trauma patterns and that that wounding is real. It's like a, an animal that's got its uh, foot trapped in a in a bear trap almost. You want to help it, but if you go close to it because it's trapped, it's going to lash out. Yeah. It doesn't realize you're there to help. So just just looking at it from some different lenses and being gentle and being slow and celebrating the people when they are doing you know things to heal and and not so much focusing on what they're getting wrong and provide a, a bounty of goodness. Yeah, like we're abundant here. Yes, we've got all the goodness. Yeah. Eat it up. Eat it up, baby. Yeah. So Mia, thank you. That was a, that was a wonderful question. Really fun topic to riff on and just keep doing this work and, and, you know, keep being a leader. It's really important. Those people are very, very lucky to have you coming at it from this more holistic lens. So, all right, again, Aaron, that was an amazing chat, man. I really appreciate you. Um, tell the listeners where they can find you, what you're up to, what you're excited about and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, man. Um, if people would like to actually learn more of the, um, instructional stuff that we we're talking about and actually sort your joints out and connect the yeah. tissue and all of that. Uh, we have a six week program called the Align Method online program. And that goes through like nuts to bolts, ankles, ankles to, to wrists. Amazing. Um, yeah. Re-establishing full functional range of motion of all those joints, teaching you how to do it. Uh, and then also reintegrating some of these like human movement patterns. So understanding how to walk and run and jump and throw and kick um, and then also week five is nervous system regulation using breath and vision. Week six is environment. So everything we talked about today, I break down exactly like, okay, what does that actually look like? Love it. And so that's at alignpodcast.com slash AMP stands for align method program. Uh, there's a book, the align method, be a great uh, addendum to that. Uh, and if you just look up blind podcast on the social media you'll find me yeah awesome yeah. again personally vouch for the align method book it's fascinating um align podcast aaron's podcast is great you have some amazing guests on man you got my favorite on there gabal mate and a few just other incredible guests so keep doing what you're doing brother Thanks. your message is very important and that's it for today so we'll see you next week uh go check out aaron go check out the align podcast and we will see you next wednesday big love to you all fam be more human right be more human I'm here that's what me. we're gonna leave you with this week have a good one bye-bye all right, friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We got a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of radical health. We'll see you next week.